Uh, good morning, Christ Community Church. Hope you're doing well this week. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get the service underway. First of all, continue to uh, pray for wisdom. I'm, I'm sitting here with two guys who are doing the filming. We spent the last 20 minutes talking about different scenarios for Christ Community Church, and we couldn't land on anything. And it was just three of us. So imagine how complicated it is to try to get 400 of us somehow back together when and where and what do the governor say so it's complicated i said this in a sermon a couple weeks ago and what we're asking for you to do is really just pray and pray that we would have wisdom on decisions that we make and as soon as we have some clarity we'll definitely be letting you know about that number two i want to say this every week thank you for giving it, it still continues to exceed uh, last year's year-over-year year giving, so that's incredible, uh, especially during this time. The online giving has just exploded. Uh, you know, we 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 probably getting uh, 200% more online than we've ever gotten before. So, well done on that. Uh, third, we want to remember that it's Memorial Day weekend, and so. Uh, you maybe have a little extra time off on a Monday, but we just want to be aware of the freedom that we have in our country to even produce something like this and send it out over the Internet. There are places that this couldn't even happen, but that freedom comes at a price. And uh, so we want to just be thankful for the men and women who have given their lives in order for us to have this freedom. And that's happened in my own life. My, my father died uh, in the Army, and um, I know that the, the that we're remembering that sacrifice but you know when when someone dies a whole family dies in some way things dreams die and so we just want to be aware of that and if you know somebody that's serving uh, you might want to reach out to them this weekend and and give them a special thanks finally we had founders day last week it really was a complete success thank you all for coming and at the end of the um the sermon there's going to be, I think, a 10-minute video that you're really going to enjoy spending time just looking at and seeing uh, all the faces and uh, the dance, fancy dance moves that were on the video. So look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you again for what you're doing. If you need anything, uh, don't hesitate to call us. Good morning, Christ community. I hope everybody's doing well. We really miss you guys. Can't wait to be worshiping in person. But for now, we're at home. So... I hope that you'll sing along with me at home as I play this song. Trust in Him. 
Good morning, Christ Community. I'm Sharon Radford, and I'm the Director of Children and Families, birth through fifth grade. I'm excited to be reading God's Word with you today. Today's scripture reading comes from two passages. The first will be 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 19, and then we'll read together 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Let's read together. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you or test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. And now First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. 
my wife has been tutoring for nearly 30 years, which is kind of strange since she's only 35 years old. But over the 30 years of her tutoring, uh, there's been a predictable pattern with some of her students. You know, some of her students drag in for the tutoring session like they're being asked, like a five-year-old who's being asked to eat broccoli. Uh, and they kind of endure it like it's some kind of punishment. But then something happens. And what is that? A test. That's right. A test is coming up. And suddenly the student races in and the student is thirsty for every piece of information that the tutor can give because he or she knows a test is coming up. Something's going to happen where uh, proof of what they've been learning or not learning is going to be shown on a test. And this morning, uh, Peter, Peter is our tutor. He's a great tutor, and he knows we're going to face various tests. You see that in chapter 1, verse 6. It says various trials, and that Greek word means variegated. And I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but variegated is usually a term you think about when you're buying plants. Uh, some plants are all green, but then there's the variegated and that means they have spots or streaks on them. And so you're, you're going to have a life that is variegated with trials. It's going to have a lot of different spots or, or streaks in it. The, the word also in the, in the Old Testament or in the Bible is used for describing the spots on the skin of a leopard. It's variegated. In the landscape of the leopard skin, there's going to be a, a lot of dark spots. And so Peter is telling us that over the course of the landscape of our lives, it's going to be dotted with dark spots. It's going to be variegated. And he wants us to be prepared for those varieties of tests that we're going to face. And thankfully, he's a great tutor because Peter has tried and failed and gotten back up many times. And we come, when we come to his letter, we're coming towards the end of his life, and he's turning around like a great tutor would to say, hey, this is what I've experienced. These are the things you need to be aware of or be prepared for when the tests actually come your way. Now, he gives us a lot of information here, but I just want to pick out two things. First, the purpose of the test. Why am I going through this test? What does it mean? Why is it here for me? And Peter gives us a purpose for most of our tests. And then he talks about our reaction to the test. So those are the two things I want to cover us for us today. First, the the purpose of the test, our purpose for our fiery trials, it says in chapter 1, verse 7, is for the genuineness of our faith, which is more precious than gold. The, the test is going to test the genuineness of our, face, of our faith, which he says is more precious than gold. Now, many of you know that 24 karat gold is what you call pure gold. But it doesn't come out of the ground that way. It comes out with all kinds of different metals in it. And how do you get 24 karat gold? Well, you have to put it in a furnace. You have to put it in a crucible. And then you actually have to turn it up to nearly 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit in order to burn off all the impurities. And you're left with just 24 karat gold. And Peter knows that you and I, we're going to face tests. And these tests are meant to burn off things in our lives that are not healthy, that are not pure for our soul. And many of the tests are going to be the 2,000-degree the Fahrenheit-type tests. So he wants us to be 
ready for them. And part of being ready for them is just remembering that this test, as painful as it may be, is producing something. It's producing this pure faith. It's producing this real commitment to trust God, even in the difficult times. Now, Peter, he's just echoing what he's already heard. He has himself been a student, and he's been tutored by other voices. He's been tutored by the voice of David in Psalm 139. No doubt that he read this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test my heart. What a, what a prayer. David is saying, hey, test my heart. I know there's something in me. I need you to search it. I need you to test it. I need you to heat something up in my life, Lord, so that I would follow after you. Search my heart, O God, and test it. See if there is any offensive way. See if there's any impurity in me and, and burn that off. That's a, it's a very courageous prayer. Peter also was a good student of the, the wise tutor from Proverbs. Proverbs 17.3 says this, The crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. He knows it. This wise man in the Old Testament, he knows what happens in life. You get tested. And it's not just circumstantially. Your heart is getting tested for impurities. Just like David said, search my heart and test it. And now Peter, he's our tutor. And he tells us that trials are, are coming our way like spots on a leopard. And one reason we're experiencing those tests is to test the genuineness of our faith. I wonder if you're familiar with the word amalgam, amalgam. It's uh, what dentists used to use when they were filling up your teeth uh, from a cavity. And it's kind of a, uh, it's a composite metal. It looks, kind of looks like silver, but it's made of di many different things. And the reason they don't use it anymore is because it has that silver look and it looks like you've been chewing on a lead pipe if you have a lot of cavities, so they use some white composite now. But an amalgam is a metal that's made up of different metals, like the, the metal for your fillings are 50% silver, or 50% mercury, 20% silver, 15% tin, 8% copper, and then there's various other trace metals. And what Peter knows what Jesus knows, what God knows, and probably what you and I know is we have amalgamated hearts. We have hearts that are made up of allegiances to many different things. We might be, well, we're 50% for God, but then we're 20% for finances, and we're 15% for our family, and we're 8% for our health, and we have all these different competing loyalties so like in, just in case one of them doesn't work out, we've got all these other places that we can move in our lives, and God doesn't want that. Peter knows it, and he's trying to help us to say, hey, in order to get rid of that amalgamated heart, you're going to face a test. Because your faith, your faith, it's, it's worth more than pure gold. And if gold has to be refined to get it pure, then your, your faith is going to have to be refined as well. Peter knows that being called by God is like being called into a furnace. It's not being called into a comfy. You know what that is? I don't know if you're like a Shark Tank fan. I watch a lot of Shark Tank. But uh, this person comes in and he wants to sell something called a comfy. It's basically like a big giant sweatshirt. 
and you're supposed to lay around in your house in a big tent, big, comfortable, warm thing. But that's, that's what happens is a lot of people think that once they enter into Christ, it's like entering just in a big comfy. That's all it's going to be. It's all going to be comfortable. And Peter is just telling us right here, no, no, it's a lot more like a furnace than a comfy. And having us just have that in our mind is so helpful. Sometimes believers think if I remain faithful, if I'm filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to experience any kind of crushing darkness on my journey with Jesus. Yet when the darkness comes, when when the furnace is, is turned up, when the bottom falls out in your life, You find out a lot about your faith. Things get burned up in a furnace. You lose things in a furnace. The furnace is painful. But as painful as it is, Peter knows, Jesus knows, that it's worth it. Your your faith, the genuineness of your faith, is worth the, the difficulty of the trial. In the last two months, we've all endured or we've all entered into this coronavirus furnace. I mean, who could have predicted it in February? And I wonder um, how much the heat has been turned up in your life over the last two months. What, what is it that God's trying to burn away what, what is he trying to help you loosen your grip of so that when, you, when, when life speeds back up, uh, you're not holding on to that thing anymore. You're, you're certainly less gripped by it than you were before you got into the furnace. God's doing a lot of things with this pandemic, but no doubt one thing he's doing is he's putting each of us, each of our souls into this crucible where the heat's getting turned up. And my prayer for myself, for you, is that you take the time to note, even to write down and say, hey, this has been a very unique time in my lifetime. I'm probably never going to experience anything like this in my life. What is it that God wants me to take note of? How has he turned up the heat in some way that's caused me to say, hey, that's been hurting my faith, and I've got to let go of that. That has to be burned away. So the purpose of the test, is it's hard, it's painful, but it's worth it. Now our reaction to the test. You see in chapter 4, verse 12, the first thing that Peter says, don't be surprised, don't be surprised, don't be surprised by your fiery trial. Why does he say that? Because people are so surprised. And I think he, he got surprised at times. So he's saying, just don't be surprised. And I just think if you were just a a modest student of the Bible, you wouldn't have to know too much Bible to realize there's really no reason to be surprised by suffering. You look at any of the Old Testament characters. Who's who's raising their hand to be Job? Who's raising their hand to be Moses? Who's raising their hand to be David or Jeremiah? See, all these characters, most of their lives are just full of furnace, trials, difficulties. 
Uh, when you uh, listen to Jesus, John chapter 16, in this world, you will have trouble. You know what that means in the Greek? In this world, you will have trouble. It's not rocket science. He's telling them here in this last speech to them that the landscape of your life is going to be like a leopard skin. It's going to be marked by all kinds of dark pits that you're going to have to endure. It's, but it's worth it because your faith is, is more valuable than gold. Even if you just listen to the founders of the church, Peter and Paul. In 1 Peter, we talked about this earlier in chapter 2. Christ suffered for you, leaving you, as an, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He suffered. He's an example. We're going to follow in his steps, meaning we're going to suffer. shouldn't be a surprise. The Apostle Paul, in his very last letter to his uh, protege, Timothy, who's going to take over the church in Ephesus, he says this, Everyone who wants to live a, a godly life. Everyone who wants to live a godly life. Now, many of us are saying, I want that. I'm raising my hand. I want to live a godly life. What does he say? You will be persecuted. You are going to face these tests. So the first thing Peter says is, is don't be surprised. Now, my wife can attest that this is me. I, I'm constantly surprised. I don't know why. I've got a master's of divinity. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I've got a master's degree in the Bible. You think I would not be the person who's surprised. But yet, somehow in my mind, I'm not saying it's good, I've got this idea that I'm exempt. Well, I, I mean, I know that's how you work in the Bible, God. And yes, I know that's how you've worked through church history. But somehow Paul Phillips gets an exemption. He gets like a get out of suffering free card. And so every time some trial comes along, I'm like, what's up with this? I mean, why, how can this be happening to me? And so it's good for me just to think today, don't be, just Paul, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Listen to the tutor. So that when you're ready for the test, you're, 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 you're bracing for it. You know it's going to happen. You're not going to be surprised. I love how Tim Keller uh, makes a comment about this verse. Here's what he says. Grief and weeping in response to trials will never destroy you, but surprise will. See, if you have a trial, grief and weeping, that's not going to destroy you. That's a normal thing. But when you're surprised, you do get destroyed. And I think behind a lot of, or at least some, anger and bitterness in people's lives is surprise. Somehow they don't think their, their faith should be tested this way. And their faith gets damaged or even destroyed. So Peter warns us, don't be surprised. Second thing he says in verse 13 is uh, rejoice. Rejoice. Paul in 2 Corinthians writes this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of our life. In our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But... This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. What a great, great verse. You, you hear that? Paul's saying we were actually in despair. So the despair is okay. 
But underneath that despair for Paul and underneath the suffering for Peter and underneath the suffering for Christ is a river of joy. And that is that God is in control. And even though this is a despairing moment for Paul, he knows it's actually producing something valuable. And that value is he's got more dependence on God himself. He's, he's moving away from self-dependence and moving towards God. He is despairing, but he's able to rejoice in this unusual reliance that he has now on God. He's moving towards a 24-carat faith, you might say. So Peter tells us to rejoice not because uh, the trials are easy, but look in verse 13, it says, Rejoice because it confirms, your sufferings confirm that you're in union with Christ. They're part of the confirmation process that if Jesus tells, tells us that we're going to suffer and we are suffering, then that's a confirmation. Well, I'm at least following after Jesus. And notice what he says, that, that union with him in suffering, this is the great part, will mean a union with him in glory. I mean, that is good news, especially for those who are suffering. Yes, it's despairing, it's difficult, but this union and suffering right now is going to produce a great union with Christ in glory. Maybe it's because I'm kind of a softy uh, for military families because my, I came from a military family. But I don't know if you see these things on the news where the dad or the mom comes back from overseas and surprises the, their child in class. And they, they just set it up so perfectly so that when the child recognizes it's the mom or the dad, just there's this immediate explosion of joy that they're back together. And Think about that. That's what's going to happen for you and I. There is, there is a separation, there's a difficulty, there's a waiting that has to happen, there's a, a testing that we have to endure. But there is going to be a moment, I promise you, there's going to be this moment. And it's going to be worth it, this explosion of joy when you see Jesus face to face. I, I have no doubt that most of us know who Ravi Zacharias is, this great defender, probably the best one in my generation of Christianity. And I think about him. He's this very articulate, humble, kind, very smart person. And all the places, all the hostile places that he had to stand and defend Christianity. All the universities he went to, all the communist countries that he went to, all the people that gave heat back to him because of his beliefs today. An explosion of joy for Ravi Zacharias. And that day is coming for us. Peter knows it. He's, he's about ready to, to come to that day. And he wants us to not fail in our faith because there's going to be that moment of rejoicing. And when you know that moment is going to come, it can undergird you with some rejoicing even in your current despair. So rejoice. And finally, in verse 19, he uses the word entrust. You see that in verse, the very end of the chapter. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, circle this word, entrust, entrust their souls to a faithful creator. Such a great word, entrust. It's a banking term. It means you've made a deposit. 
So Peter is saying, hey, make a deposit. Deposit your soul into the hands of the Creator. Don't put them in somebody else's hands. Please don't put them in your own hands. And trust your soul into the, to the hands of the faithful Creator. Creator. Uh, you, you can hear Peter's heartbeat. Beloved, beloved, he's pleading. He's coming to the end of his letter. You know, no matter how hard you're persecuted, no matter how hot the furnace becomes, deposit your soul into the hands of the Creator. Can't help but think about Daniel chapter 3. Uh, these three great men of faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember that from your vacation Bible school or our children's Sunday school. This great story of these men who wouldn't bow down, interestingly enough, to the image of gold uh, that King Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself. And so they have this conversation, and Nebuchadnezzar is warning them, I'll throw you into a fiery furnace. And here's what they say. Love it in Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't, so glad they put this in. We want you to know we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold. Why? They'd made a deposit. They hadn't made a deposit into themselves. They hadn't made a deposit into King Nebuchadnezzar, thankfully. They had made a deposit into the Creator of heaven and earth. And no matter what they that was going to happen to them in the furnace, they trusted the Lord was going to rescue them. Jesus in Luke chapter 23. Luke is describing in some detail the the death and cruci- the crucifixion and death of Jesus. He uses the same word and trust that Peter uses. Darkness came over the whole land, the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I, what does it say, entrust, I commit, I deposit my soul. And Peter is just picking up, he's been a a great student of Jesus himself. And he knows that Jesus has entrusted. He's made his own deposit into the hands of God. And so here is Jesus. He's entrusting himself in the midst of his own fiery trial to produce a genuineness of his faith. And his faith actually becomes uh, righteousness for us. What, What a great news. How easy it is when the heat gets turned up not to entrust. Instead of entrusting, we sometimes escape. We run away. We find ourselves in other places emotionally, mentally, physically that just are habits of escape. Instead of entrusting, we indulge. Yeah, we know these things aren't good and they're habits, but I mean, it's a tough time. It's a pandemic, so I'm going to eat, I'm going to shop, I'm going to look at pornography, I'm going to just do these things that are indulging because I really haven't trusted entrusted my soul to the creator of heaven and earth. I don't really trust him right now in a pandemic to take care of me. I have this amalgamated heart still left. 
So often when the heat gets turned up, we, we don't entrust, we take control. Peter did that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hadn't entrusted the game plan to Jesus, so he takes out the sword. He decides, see, he's going to take control. And I wonder if any of these things are, are common to you, especially in this time. Are you entrusting or escaping? Are you entrusting or indulging? Are you entrusting or you're trying to take control? You know, uh, one of the great things on the Founders Day last Sunday was so wonderful to see you guys drive through and see your faces and wave. And uh, we've got a great video at the end of the sermon for you to watch about Founders Day that David put together. But man, I want—I I tried to see every car, and I wanted to stop every car. And first of all, I wanted to hold on to you in some way, which I couldn't do, so that was frustrating. Hi. But I want to stop and say, well, how are you Last doing? And then start asking a bunch of questions. But you know, you just had to keep moving on. So. I know some for some of you it was frustrating, but as a pastor, man, that was it was it was a blessing and frustrating at the same time. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you a few questions here to close because these would be the kinds of questions I would have asked you if we'd had time to stop and talk. How has the furnace of the last eight weeks been for your soul? And we've all entered into it. It's not just one or two or half of us. Everybody's entered into this furnace. And for some of us, the heat has really been turned way up. So, so what is it that God is trying to, to sh- how is he trying to shape you in this moment? What is he, what is he doing? Is he, is he trying to burn something away? Is he trying to loosen your grip? Maybe for you, the time has not been strengthened. It's actually seemed to erode your faith and you feel weaker now than you did before. Are you entrusting, recommitting yourself to the Lord even in the time where you have such little control? The governor controls, the the president controls, the virus controls. Are you entrusting or are you trying to escape? Are you entrusting or are you indulging? Are you entrusting or are you trying to take control? So even if it's just a a good practice for you, you should write this down so you remember it and come back to it a year from now and remember what God was trying to do in your soul. But it would be helpful for me if you wrote me and emailed me. That way I could correspond with you even though we can't do it face to face. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's such a joy even in this unusual format to be together for a few minutes. Not just to be together um, in a conversation, but be together in the Word of God. To be together with Peter, a great tutor, who himself was was tutored by a great Savior, yourself. Lord, would you give us ears to listen, this prayer that you said so many times that those who have ears listen hear hear what peter is telling us listen to the tutor so that when the tests come we're not surprised we understand they have this great purpose to burn away impurities in our soul it causes us to to lean less on ourselves and entrust our souls to you Would you help us do this? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Go in peace.
Church hat clap, man, that sugar gave her color purple, coming back clap, uh, when that whole week beat you up and stress you, but you hear that organ playing and remind you of your blessings, and on another note, she just hit another note, chills down my spine, got me crying, make me overload, you don't know about it though, old school church, ham seekers, get the humming out of drama, finna burst in, can you hear me now, church close, swear they don't care, you
on his feet. I wanna do the type of shows that the Lord wanna see. What I mean, if I can make the whole church clap, it ain't a clap in the heavens, then that clap just a clap.